What's up, guys, and welcome back to another episode of Not Gonna Lie. I'm your host, Jonathan Terry, and I'm joined here with my boy, Sabatai Isaac. Hey, thanks for having me. So before we got into the analysis and the breakdown of the stuff we want to talk about today, I thought it'd be kind of cool to give you guys a little insight on the history of the of the podcast, the kind of the beginnings of the podcast. Yes. So uh, Sabby and I play Madden a lot. A, l- a little too much Madden, honestly. Yeah, I mean, debatable. And <laughs> as we're playing Madden, Sabby's very perceptive, and he picked up on a key phrase I like to use almost all the time. Yeah, we, we'll be playing, and I'll, I'll do a dumb play. Jonathan will be like, I couldn't, I'm not going to lie to you, but that's tough, that's tough. Yeah, and over break, over Christmas break, I was really thinking about starting a podcast, and I texted him and some of my other friends, I'm like, ah, should I do it? And they're like, oh yeah, bro, like, go for it, like, this would be great. And then coming up with a name was almost a little too easy, like, it almost came to me instantly, I'm like, ah, not gonna lie. So here we are, episode four in the podcast, Uh, so far so good, and I'm happy to have you with me here today. Thank you. So let's go ahead and jump into the divisional round of the playoffs. Mm. So I want to go ahead... Really fast and just... Yeah, really fast. I'm, I'm not going to lie, but it's pretty tough. <laughs> yeah, we're really fast going to cover this this Colts game. I remember receiving an alert before the, before the game that they were expecting about four to six inches of snow. And I remember texting Savvy. I'm like, four to six inches? That means they're going to have to rely on their run game. Like oh. <laughs> Patrick Mahomes can't make plays. And then their running, their running back goes for like a buck 25. Yeah, it'd be like that. Bro, yeah, bro. I, think, I think both teams are definitely set up for success. Um, I think the Chiefs are, are have showed that they're the more they're about it. They're they're the the more ready team, and I think that this is the kind of win that they need to gain uh, momentum as they move forward in the playoffs. And speaking of momentum, and speaking of me being wrong, the mm. Patriots absolutely demolished the Chargers last week. And I said it on the show last week. You know, there's a lot of analysts that do this every year. They say Tom Brady's done. They say the Patriots yeah. are done, and they surprise us. And they did it again. I wish I could say that uh, I was surprised, but I kind of you kind of have yeah, that. Yeah, you got to know. Every, everyone who watches football and is known about the Brady-Belichick era, everyone knows that every time in the playoffs, in the back of your mind, in the heart of hearts, you know that they're going to be there. And this, this game was no different. Sonny Michelle had three touchdowns, over 100 yards on the ground, and the game was over long oh, before it started. Yeah, the five touchdowns at half was just crazy. When I first checked my phone, I just, you know, 7-7, seven, seven, I was like, okay, this game's just starting a study. And then I checked, end of the second quarter, 28-7. to seven. I was like, my goodness. Those are big confidence-boosting wins for both of those teams. But who do you think's better? Who do you think has that edge and has the momentum going into this AFC Championship game? I feel like momentum is going to be a little bit on the Patriots' side, but the defense has to show it big, and the offense just got to keep playing their game because they're so good at just, like, hitting fast and quick. I definitely think that the Patriots have that momentum and that adrenaline on their side, um, but the Chiefs have proven that they are a very talented team. That front seven was really getting after the Colts almost oh, all yeah. game long. They nothing, had a few strips, too. Yeah. yeah, nothing was going for them. Let's go ahead and jump over to the NFC. So the Saints pulled out a squeaker against the Eagles thanks to a dropped Alshon Jeffrey. Uh, yeah, ball. a really good pass that should have been caught, and it would have actually been a first down. It was a uh, like about around two minutes left, or well, under two minutes left, and they were going on a drive. And if he had caught that ball, they probably would have rode that momentum because they were just. It felt like they were gonna fly down the field, but he missed it. I honestly didn't think that the Eagles were anything more than like a, a storybook team, but they really kind of proved that they were 
they were there for yeah. a reason. That they weren't just it wasn't just dumb luck they, that they, they were stumbled competing. in. And yeah, they they really showed something, especially going up against the Saints in the Superdome. Or another uh, team that I was surprised by was the Cowboys. Um, mm. They played they played decently well. I think play calling was was poor. Iffy, iffy. Yeah. Anytime Ezekiel Elliott averages two yards a carry, I don't think you're set up for success. Yeah. Uh, Aaron Donald and Indomitian Sue played a, a great game stuffing the line, but you have to get around that. Yeah, and the Rams running game was just too, too consistent. C.J. Anderson pounding the ball. They, had, they converted a lot of good third downs. The Rams' offensive line was playing great. They were opening up a lot of holes in the defense for C.J. Anderson to come through and just pound. Uh, having a 100-yard rusher in the playoffs is pretty difficult, but having two 100-yard yeah, rushers, that, that's say. something that, that is very dangerous and that the Saints need to look out for. But given your best guess, all bias aside, because you are you have a little yeah, bit of love I'm towards going, LA. I'm going for the Rams, yeah. Uh, who do you think has the best chance to win this game? Um, I feel like the Saints, like you keep saying, are the more complete team. But I feel like the Rams are just gonna are gonna pull through, and they their play calling is really complex. I really like what they're doing this year, and so I just I'm hoping and I feel like they're gonna pull it out and make it to the Super Bowl. Yeah, I feel as if uh, Sean McVay is a really great addition to their team, not just as a motivator, but as a, a dynamic play caller. But I kind of have to give the edge here to the Saints and Sean Payton. Mm. I just I can't in good conscience say that the Saints are going to lose in the Superdome with that crowd, with that team, with that coach. It just seems like there's too many things that they have going for them. Yeah. And this close call against the Eagles is only going to rally them to play tougher and a better ball game. All right, Sabi, so give me your Super Bowl prediction for this year. Well, I'd like for the Rams and Chiefs to make it so we could get that great rematch from that Monday Night Football game. But I honestly feel like it's probably going to be the Saints and the Patriots. Yeah, I think you, you have to look at consistency and you have to look at experience as well. Yeah, they, they've been doing it for a number of years, not just Brady and Belichick, but Sean Payton and Drew Brees have been there for quite a while too. Yeah. At the risk of being wrong yet again, I'm going to have to differ just a little bit from you. I think that the Saints are going to make it, but I kind of have to lean towards the Chiefs. I think mm. that being able to go out and win that game in such a, a dominating fashion like they did against the Colts kind of shows that not only Andy Reid, but Patrick Mahomes is kind of built for these kind of games. Yeah. And he can he can get it done in a number of ways. We didn't even see him light up the yardage chart. Yeah. He yeah. did he it was a lot of a lot of it was on the ground, a lot of it was moving the moving the ball with the run. Yards after the catch was mm -hmm. really big in that yeah, game. Yeah. He was finding open receivers early and they were just making plays. But I feel like that would be uh something to struggle cuz if the Patriots do a really good job at containing that, that's going to be a lot of nickel and dime plays because what the Chiefs were doing to the Colts was they were just dinking it over the top on the cover 2 on um, Darius Leonard and so mm -hmm. they would just get major yards after that because the Colts were playing the outsides a lot. They, they started in the zone, uh, and they switched to man, but it seemed like they weren't doing a good enough job of adjusting, and it seemed like the Chiefs were always open. The Chiefs were already in their head. So. Yeah, it, it was, it was kind of tough. But enough about my uh, <laughs> misery and sorrow. Let's go ahead and transition. So we touched on this last week, but Kyler Murray, who is the Heisman-winning quarterback out of Oklahoma, just announced that he would be entering the NFL draft. Now, this does not mean that he is not going to be playing baseball, it just means that he has the option to go to the combine, meet with yeah. meet, meet with teams, 
figure out where he might be drafted and then figure out what's best for him. And there are reports out there that are saying that he has asked the Oakland Athletics $15 million to join their baseball team for this year. So, Savvy, I just wanted to get your opinion. Where do you think Kyler Murray will be most successful, in the NFL or in the MLB? I think Kyler Murray, in my opinion, I'd just go to the NFL because you're a quarterback. That's the highest paid position. And ESPN gave a stat that over 50% of all current quarterbacks right now are making more than $10 million, and only 30% of all outfielders in the MLB are making the same. So I definitely agree that there's more upside to playing in the NFL but I think there's more consistency in joining the MLB and playing baseball. The longevity. Yeah, it's kind of like stocks and bonds. Okay, huh, so okay. With, with stocks, you've got a lot of up and down, a yeah, lot of inconsistency, term. not really sure uh, what's going to happen. Uh, for those of you who don't know, the way that the MLB salary breakdown goes is you have team control, you have arbitration, which basically means the, the team. It's the worst. Yeah, the team can say what they want to pay you, and you can try to argue and say you're worth more, but most of the time they will favor the teams. So it really takes six years until you are able to get out there and demand real big time money, yeah. which players like Manny Machado and Bryce Harper are doing now. But you have that, you have that sense of security, knowing that he's a, a decent athlete. He'll be a great face for the league. And I have no doubt that he could be successful if he puts in the work. But if I'm Kyler Murray, like, I want that money now. He's going to make more money total in that amount of time than he would in the MLB. Yeah, but then you come into a tough thought process as to uh, will he make it past that rookie contract? Because, you know, we've seen great playmakers like him fizzle out in the league. You've got Tim Tebow, Vince Young, Jamarcus Russell. We don't really know the complete depth of his character yet we don't know how hard he's willing to work and when it comes down to it a lot of his success is going to or is going to be determined based off of where he's drafted if we're talking about success kyler murray has never been the best guy coming up in in the in the baseball scene Mm -hmm. like yeah he got drafted yeah he's pretty good yeah he was a first rounder but he, he wasn't the most talked about guy like this football path that he's taken and him winning a heisman trophy He's, his his um his level his athletic level in the NFL is way higher than it would be in the MLB. So I feel like the development would be way longer for him, and he just he'd already be a star wherever he'd get drafted because he's so talented. I agree with you to an extent, but I think there are a lot of teams that have holes that would cause him to struggle. Like for example, one of the biggest reasons Russell Wilson was able to grow into the successful player he is now is because he had guys like Marshawn Lynch. He had yeah. that defense with Richard Sherman, with Earl Thomas. He had a good coach with a good system. Exactly. That's that's kind of going to be the biggest consideration, uh, if I'm Kyler Murray, as to whether I make the jump to the NFL or to the MLB. Because if he gets in there and he's he's pounded behind a weak offensive line and he's constantly trying to make plays and taking hits, this could be an RG3 situation. Yeah, that, w- that would be tough. There's a lot of ways he could take it, but at the end of the day, he has to go to the combine, Weigh it out. Use that leverage. Try and get some money from the A's. Yeah, the A's said that they would match his yeah. contract. He has to determine where he can best be successful. And the only way he's going to do that is to go through the combine and talk with scouts and talk with teams and yeah. see what his future kind of looks like. So in NBA news, Kyrie Irving has been making headlines recently over uh, calling out teammates and you know questioning leadership abilities. So a couple nights ago, the Celtics 
had the ball. They were down by a point with a couple seconds left on the clock. Yeah. Gordon Hayward was inbounding the ball, and he inbounded the ball to Jason Tatum, who took a step-back shot that just bounced off the back of the rim. And Kyrie kind of took exception to the fact that he wasn't past the ball. And he kind of made a display of yelling at Gordon Hayward clearly at the end of the game. And then and then he went and decided to talk about it after the game. And calling out your teammates to the media especially is really not the way to do it. And so um, he ended up saying last night that he had, had to call LeBron, told him that, you know, apologized for him being that young guy who was always like, I want the ball, you know, I want to be that guy. And I, I have, on one hand, respect for Kyrie for making that call to LeBron and, uh, you know, kind of patching things up and kind of recognizing what LeBron really had on his shoulders. Yeah. But to an extent, when you look at it a little deeper, it's kind of like one of those backhanded compliments. Like, he's he's acknowledging how much LeBron's had to go through, meanwhile dissing his teammates, saying that, <laughs> that they're the same as him, saying they're, they're the selfish young guys that he was. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way, but... I mean, he could also just be talking about himself because he did say that he used to be that guy. Because remember, he was the man in Cleveland, and then LeBron comes, and now, now Kyrie's like, okay, I got to share the ball with this guy and all that stuff. But, you know, I see how it could be, like, dissing his teammates as well as, you know, trying to man up. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and as much as, as a Celtics fan, I want to believe that Kyrie's genuine and that sort of thing. I mean, this is coming three days, four days after the, the uh, outburst with the magic. Yeah. Like, I don't really think that, that he's going to be turning that around that quickly and saying, you know what? Like, I've learned from my ways. I called LeBron, and now I'm ready to be that leader and that guy for the Celtics. But you know what? I feel like him calling LeBron kind of lets the Celtics know that he's gonna he's not going to leave. He's going to try and make it work. If I were him, I wouldn't leave an already structured team. i just try to make it work because they have the pieces and they have the people. They have the system, too. And so I just feel like if they just get it together, they could have a shot at the finals. I think that is a big step, saying that, that you know, he's ready to take that leadership responsibility. And I hope that that means that, he, you know, he, is, he does keep on good on his promise and he doesn't call out his teammates. And he, he's continually growing with the team and playing together because that's when the Celtics are playing at their best. Switching over to another point guard, Dennis Smith Jr. has also been in trade rumors over this past week, and teams such as the Suns and the Grizzlies have been rumored to be interested in signing the young star point guard. Uh, Sabi, I just kind of want to get your take. Do you think it's smart for the Mavericks to move Dennis Smith Jr.? I think on paper it's a good idea, but when you look at the team's other, aside from draft picks, there's not a lot of other guards that you could really get that would be much better. And I feel like Dennis Smith Jr.'s ceiling is so much higher. He's a really good point guard. He he reminds me of Westbrook. And so I feel like if I'm Mark Cuban, you know, I'm gonna I'm gonna try and stick with it. And um, obviously, if it doesn't work out, trade him. But I I just feel like going through this right now and developing him some more would be better than just trading him. Yeah. No. I I think that 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 is definitely the case. Luka Doncic and Dennis Smith Jr. have struggled to coexist on the court, posting a negative plus-minus, but I don't think that you should be ready to jump the ship on Dennis Smith Jr. because he's an exceptional athlete that we've we've seen highlights from night in and night out since he was yeah. a, a guard at NC State. Uh, and I, I don't think if I'm, if I'm the Mavericks that I'm ready to just give up on that yet. But now that the trade rumors are already out there, you might as well put the feelers out, see what maybe you can get in return, and if something blows you away, I mean, I say, why not? 
Yeah, I mean, if I'm the Phoenix Suns, I'm, I'm trying to hop on that right now. Because the F- Phoenix Suns, I feel like they're just a few pieces away from really being a good team. Yeah, and I think it's been a while since the Suns have had a good quality point guard. And it seems like for the past few years, they've been looking for someone to fill that void. And I think Dennis Smith Jr. would be a great addition to the team that they already have now. But but who could they trade? Because they don't have they don't have that many players that, you know, I feel like the Mavericks would be like, oh, yeah, yeah. So as far as people that they may be willing to give up or that they could give up to get a player like Dennis Smith Jr., I mean, right away you have to think draft picks. But we've seen in the past how draft picks kind of pan out for teams and how it's kind of tough to be willing to part with a, a draft pick, especially one that would be considerably as high as the Suns in yeah. a rich draft like this 2019 draft. But I think they've got a couple young project point guards like Elia Kobo and D'Anthony Melton that could be of interest to the Mavericks. They've got guys like TJ Warren, Ryan Anderson, Dragon Bender, or even Josh Jackson, who would be great compliments to the already that strong Mavericks team. But if you are the Mavericks, are you? Tr- when are you trying to win, though? Because Luka's good right now, and obviously he's going to get better. But you kind of have a good squad right now. Well, I think you could play off the potential upside of Dennis Smith Jr. to fill maybe a void on the team, maybe get stronger. Because Luka as a point guard seems to be the path moving forward. And so if you can find someone else to compliment in another area, I think that could give them a big step towards improving their team and possibly making the playoffs. All right, so I think that's just going to about do it. Thank you, Savvy, for being here. Thanks for having me. Make sure to follow us on Twitter, at PodcastNGL, and you can find these episodes on Apple Podcasts and Spotify Music. Thanks for listening, guys.